If you enjoy the harrowing of Minerva Damson and want to join the Order of Joan in their fight against the monsters stalking the trenches, there are several ways you can support the war effort. Find us on Patreon and enlist, or donate to the Order on Acast. You can also connect with Order Headquarters via Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Links can be found in our bio. The Harrowing of Minerva Damson is a horror podcast and contains descriptions of war that some may find graphic or disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The scrape of Minnie and Beast Lovery's boot soles against rock and grit sounded harsh in the tunnel's closed spaces. It wasn't the same as in the earlier, larger caverns and taller sandstone passageways. The sound stretched out forward and backward instead of up and around. The latter had been uncomfortable enough for Minnie and her uneven field of hearing. This was somehow worse. And they were slowly, steadily, going deeper into the earth. The Matigo, normally content to weave wraith-like between light and shadow, remained unusually close, well within the sphere of the lantern's glow. As they slipped between the water-smoothed gray stone, its shadows danced along the walls ahead of theirs. Shadows, because it seemed to have many, and unlike theirs, none of them reflected the Matigo's current cat-like form. Some were huge and lumbering, others small and vulpine, but many could never quite parse out exactly what any one of them was before they shifted shape again. The path narrowed further, and the growing sense of claustrophobia intensified. The utter silence, apart from their footsteps and breaths, was disorienting. It was so deep that when they occasionally paused to drink some water or negotiate a new bend or dip in the path, Minnie could hear her heart pulsing in her ear. Once she noticed it, she couldn't ignore it. The constant drumming beneath the whisper of their breaths and grind of their footsteps. The darkness beyond their lantern's light was absolute. A strange thought wormed its way inside her head. That they were floating in nothingness, and that only by virtue of the light did they have anywhere to stand. It carved the stone from nothingness, and if the light went out... She paused and closed her eyes, bracing her hands on either side of the tunnel. See? She told herself. The coarse, textured rock under her fingers didn't disappear just because she couldn't see it. Beast Clavre shifted behind her, 
his movement sending ragged sound racing down the tunnel, loud in her right ear, absent in her left. And all at once, the world was tilting. Was that all in her head? Or had the lights gone out, and the walls vanished, and the void swallowed them whole? Her eyes sprang open just as a warm pressure closed around her shoulder, anchoring her. Peace Clavray's hand. She was standing upright, braced against the rock as she had been, and the flame was still flickering behind the lantern's glass. Behind her, she could hear Beast Clavray's lips part to speak. Say nothing! They both startled. The matigo hissed from the leading edge of the light, its shape less defined than usual. Keep moving. Do not stop again. Why? Minnie wanted to ask. You do want to see daylight again sooner than later, no? Then we must not tarry. Swallowing hard, she peeled her hands from the rock walls and continued forward, running her fingers over the deep, pocked impression the granite had made on her palms. It seemed as if they had been traveling for a long time. The indentations in her skin faded, but still they walked, climbed, crawled, and slid. Several times they had to remove their packs and push them along ahead of them or drag them behind them to squeeze through cramped shafts. <laughs> Beast Clavray turned down the lamplight to conserve the fuel. The dimmer flame flickered frequently and cast longer shadows. In the darkness pressing in ahead, purple pinpricks pinwheeled and exploded like fireworks on the 4th of July. Perhaps there were fairies down here, Minnie thought nonsensically. Or was that just her eyes trying to fill in the empty spaces? And why did it feel like they weren't alone? Of course they weren't alone. The Madigo was with them, hiding in their own shadows or watching them from alcoves. Whenever they came to a fork or multiple branching points, as they had several times, its eyes would flash out from the correct way to go. Assuming, of course, that the Madigo was helping them, not drawing them deeper into the earth to die. Hadn't Beast Clavray tried to warn her that dealing with such a creature was a gamble? That they were not helpful guardians, but tricksome beasts? Certainly it seemed ambivalent to humans. Why should it care about their fate? Because they had a deal, and that meant something when it came to magic. Minnie reminded herself of that firmly, even as she felt a shiver of doubt run through her. Hadn't she been thinking, however long ago, about how magic never was as simple or ironclad as the Order made it seem? Their path widened, and for the first time since they entered the granite layer, she and Beast Clavray could walk side by side. The relief she felt was mirrored on Beast Clavray's face. Being able to see him clearly was unbelievably reassuring. He granted her a closed mouth encouraging smile, even though she could see the tension gathered around his own eyes. It made him look like the father he was. She wondered if the apprehension she was unable to mask reminded him of his children, vulnerable and afraid, seeking something solid and stable to hold on to when everything else felt too big and too incomprehensible to handle. Which was ridiculous, really, because she was a fully grown woman and a knight of the Order of Joan. Minnie seized on that fact, used it to ground herself. They had escaped Sanctuaire Le Grote and the German advance. 
In fact, they'd stopped it, at least temporarily. They were not moving aimlessly through an endless void. They were going through a known cave system. She had a mission, to kill the Beast of Jevedon, which she now knew more about than any other knight before her. Beast Clavre was going to join his family. She had eleven, no, nine, magic arrows and a bewitched bow and dagger and a pack full of supplies. And she had survived the dead push. If she had survived hungry vampires, trenches infested with ghouls, and now a goddamn gargoyle, she could absolutely do something as simple as walk through some tunnels until she reached the other side. Minnie returned Bisclavre's smile with a tight one of her own and a nod. He started to look ahead again, but his foot caught on an uneven rise in the cave floor. The foot of his injured leg. He staggered and caught himself, but not before he spat a reflexive fuck. The word flew out and reverberated up and down the tunnel. After so much silence, it felt like a slap and set all her nerves jangling. Minnie flinched away. The lanterns swiveled wildly, sending their shadows spiraling across the walls. The matigo hissed reproachfully from Bisclavre's feet, its ears flat against its head. Bisclavre gripped his leg with his free hand, his bottom lip pinched between his teeth as he held back whatever else was trying to escape. The echo of his curse continued to fade as they stood, frozen, in the center of the tunnel, scarcely daring to breathe, and waited for something to happen. The cry dissipated into silence again. Minnie's heartbeat in her ears was the only sound she could hear, their settling shadows on the walls the only movement she could see. They stood there for a long minute before the Madigo finally darted forward. There There is little to do for it. Come, and let us hope fortune is kind to you. What did that mean? What was the Madigo so cautious of? It couldn't be a cave-in surrounded by solid granite as they were. What else then? If it heard her thoughts like it sometimes seemed to, it didn't respond. The Madigo now set a punishing pace. Minnie and Bisclavre were almost jogging to keep up with it. Minnie wasn't sure, but for the first time, it felt like their path now held a slight incline. Beside her, Bisclavre seemed extra twitchy. Under his sweating brow, his gaze roved restlessly over the freckled gray walls, and... If she wasn't mistaken, he was periodically scenting the air. Without warning, he grabbed her by the arm with a vice-like grip and pulled her to a rough stop. Minnie's feet scuffed the ground as she firmed her stance. Carefully, she followed his line of sight. It was trained on the impenetrable darkness ahead, every muscle of his body held taut as a bowstring. The drum of her heartbeat picked up in her ear, and her hand drifted to the dagger at her hip. Bisclavre took a step back, and another, pulling Minnie with him. His eyes were wide and wild. Silent tears pooled in them, but he didn't blink. He couldn't, or wouldn't. Minnie drew her dagger, long and slow, the soft susurration of it leaving its sheath, hissing around them. And still she didn't see what Bisclavre saw. 
until it issued from the granite ahead of them. A leg, and then an arm, and then a body, as gray as the granite, but alive. When its head appeared, it tilted it toward them. It had no face, but it did have eyes. Dark, pitted eyes. Eyes that burrowed back to an impossible depth that far exceeded its head's physical proportions. The passer through stone, the Matagos voice said from somewhere unknown. Minnie couldn't take her eyes off it. The thing emerging from the rock face, the thing staring back at her with its two yawning chasms that seemed to suck her into their endless nothing. The sensation of tipping forward and falling flipped her stomach. Bisclavre's painful grip on her arm rooted her in place, but her mind felt like it was teetering on the precipice of those pits, and that if she looked too long, it would be swept away and lost forever in an eternal fall. But she couldn't rip her gaze from it as it stood there, half in and half out of the granite, and watched them. Then, as abruptly and silently as it had appeared, it eased itself back into the tunnel wall. It isn't gone! Run! Minnie's mind snapped sharply back into place. She couldn't breathe. Her ribs were tight. But she ran, the same as Bisclavre. She flew, driven by instinct. The lantern jangled on its handle, the light bouncing around with their frantic flight, creating a disorienting mosaic of the tunnel. The Matago was gone, no longer giving directions. Bisclavre was making strange, strangled sounds. No, whimpers and snarls as he ran after her. His hot breath touched her neck, panting in wet blasts across her nape, and then a hand grabbed for her, and she screamed, twisting out of reach. He almost tripped over her. He staggered to the side, catching himself against the stone wall. The lantern glass broke, the flame guttering before catching again in a steady flicker. Bisclavre shuddered, his face to the wall his pack slipping from his shoulders and his harsh breath punctuated by pained gasps. Minnie gripped her dagger tighter, suddenly keenly aware that it wasn't just that thing down there with her, but also a garwolf, one driven forward by instinct, panic, and fear, the same as her. She was watching him, so she didn't see the long-fingered hand when it reached out from the wall. By the time she knew it was there, It was already closing around her shoulder in a crushing grip. As soon as she felt the touch of the passer, Minnie lunged away. It hadn't gotten a good grip on her yet, but its fingers dragged bruises across her skin beneath her coat. Minnie slashed with the magic dagger, confident it would cut the creature's stony flesh. That was what the dagger was spelled for, after all. But that wasn't what happened. The cutting edge of the dagger shrieked across the hard flesh of the passer's knuckles, leaving them unscathed. The blade, though, glowed red-hot where it had touched it. The runes etched in the blade, normally so faint as to only be seen by tilting it just so in sunlight, flared bright, burning afterimages into Minnie's eyes. The passer continued to pull itself free from the wall, straightening as it did. Minnie backed away. The dagger held out before her, a useless talisman. How could it do nothing against that thing? How was that even possible? Behind her, Uh. Bisclavre cried out, 
and his cry became a howl. Minnie whirled, trying to keep the passer in view while also seeing what was happening to Bisclavre. He had sunk into a crouch, only, no, he wasn't crouching at all. His clothes fit all wrong, and his hair was no longer brown, but gray, and it stuck out in all directions, and... and he was a wolf. Bisclavre thrashed, his long white fangs flashing in the lantern light as he tore at the clothes tangling him. The passer shifted, its blank face turning toward the garwolf. A throaty snap rumbled up Bisclavre's throat, and he snapped at the thing, long strands of spit flying. When Minnie backed away, his eyes flitted to her, and he snapped again, lunging toward her. He was the wolf, and as the wolf, he was chained to its instincts. Bisclavre had only known her for a few hours, and that was not enough for the wolf to recognize her as a friend. He would treat her as any cornered animal would a stranger, with suspicion, if not hostility. He growled at her, ready to strike, his long teeth parted in anticipation of her next move. The passer took the opportunity to grab Bisclavre by the foreleg, and immediately began sinking into the stone tunnel, dragging him down with it. Bisclavre yelled, his high squeal ringing through the stone. He struggled in the passer's grip, fought against his shredded clothes, bit, scratched, and kicked for his life. And, in his desperate attempt to break free, he knocked the lantern over. The flames sputtered down to blue before the black closed over them all. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. 
and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A moonless night was dark. Minnie had stalked through a few of those on nights where she couldn't rest for fear of discovery, or when she was hunting for a spell anchor that could only be discovered under a black moon. She'd slept in cellars without so much as a candle, and on those occasions, she thought she knew what darkness meant. None of those could compare to what blinded her now. She could feel her eyes open as wide as they could go, trying to drink in even one particle of light, but there were none. This was true darkness, the absence of any and all light. There was plenty of noise, though. Scratching, whining, shrieking, howling. Bisclavray was in a frenzied fight for his life. The racket assaulted her right side, making the void on her left more pronounced. Minnie staggered, her balance wobbling. The black pressed in on her open eyes, and she realized she was screaming too. She wasn't in control of her body. A bolt of pure terror seized her and propelled her forward. She was moving, her feet smacking hard on the uneven, water-carved floor, her hands thrown out in front of her. She thought they were out in front of her. She couldn't see them, and there was no way to tell, until they met solid stone, barely catching her before she ran headlong into it and broke her nose or knocked herself out. The sounds of struggle echoed up the tunnel behind her as she ran her fingers along the rock face, gasping and shuddering. Solid, solid, solid. Gap. There was a gap on her right. She tried to step into it and slipped. Then she was sliding on her back until the tube leveled out and the space constricted to a gap so narrow she couldn't get through. At first, she didn't realize she was stuck. Her head was spinning. The purple pinwheels were back, and she was just grateful she was no longer moving. It wasn't until she tried to bend her knees to sit up that she registered the pressure around her legs and hips. Oh, God. She raised herself up with her arms, her palms digging into the rough stone. An experimental tug did nothing. Worse, her feet were flexed at an awkward angle, and they were beginning to hurt. Whimpering, she raised herself up and pulled again. The duck cloth canvas of her pants rasped with a slight bit of movement. It wasn't enough. She had been panicking before. It was nothing to what overcame her then. In her mind's eye, where the black wasn't so unfathomably deep that she couldn't see, she imagined the passer's hands closing around her ankles and tugging her further into the tube, scraping her body across the granite as she screamed until it dragged her up to her chest. At some point, her lungs would empty, and then it would pull her in far enough that her chest couldn't expand, that she couldn't snatch in even a small breath, and then... Choking on fear and charged with a visceral swell of adrenaline, she planted her palms firmly behind her, shimmied her hips, and pulled with all her strength. After a long, horrible moment of resistance, during which she thought her whole strength might truly not be enough, her wriggling paid off. Her hips budged, 
and with a short grunt, she hauled her legs out of the gap. She scrambled backward until she could sit up. Trembling, she hugged her knees and cupped her hands to her mouth, trying in vain to stifle the long, jagged sobs that racked her body. Her breathing sounded close to her face, the space barely big enough for her even by the tube she'd slid down. Somewhere far away, a howl sounded long and low before it faded to nothing. Then it was silent. Tears streaking down her face, Minnie stared into nothing, her thoughts a vague smear of panic and despair. She'd left Bisclavray. She'd left him to that thing, the passer through stone, to die. The Matago had abandoned them. And now she was here, curled up in a ball buried beneath hundreds, if not thousands, of feet of stone, blind and half-deaf and with no idea what to do. She was still gripping her dagger, for all the good it had done her. Feeling for her scabbard, she sheathed it. The simple act of focusing on one task helped slow her racing thoughts. Taking control of her breathing, she tried to order them. What was she going to do? Staying here was an option, one guaranteed to risk nothing but her own long, slow death wandering around in the dark, while marginally more likely to result in her finding her way out, was more likely to drive her deeper into the earth. And the passer was still out there. That didn't change a thing. If the passer was looking for her, she was a sitting duck here. At least she could maneuver a bit out there, for whatever that was worth in the absolute darkness. Mentally, she ran through her haversack's inventory. She had a tinderbox, but no matches. That wouldn't be so much of a problem if she hadn't fallen in the aquifer. She could have wrapped her handkerchief around something and lit it, but everything was still damp. Her mind turned over everything in her sack quickly, considering each for their suitability as a light source, accelerant, or tinder. Several things might have served well if they were dry, but not a single one proved useful in her present circumstances. Just when she felt panic closing around her throat again, a possible solution coalesced out of her racing thoughts, one that did nothing to ease the tightness in her chest as it began to take shape. There was, after all, still one possible fuel source down here. The lantern. If its reservoir was still intact, she might be able to relight it, or she could dip her handkerchief in the kerosene and make a torch. Minnie shivered, squeezing her eyes shut, resisting the idea even as it solidified as the best chance she had. The last place she wanted to go was back there. What if the passer was still there? She wouldn't be able to see it if it reached for her, and despite being deaf in one ear, she was pretty sure it didn't make any sound at all when it moved through stone. If the dagger didn't work on the passer, her arrowheads were unlikely to either. She had no weapons to defend herself with. And what about Bisclavre? She wasn't sure which would be worse, Bisclavre dead and torn to shreds, or Bisclavre alive, waiting in the dark to kill her. Him she might be able to hear, at least. Her dagger would definitely work on him. But he was a wolf, and wolves fought differently than anything she had encountered before. 
they had additional senses, too. She didn't want to go back. Everything in her screamed not to. Minnie couldn't afford to listen. She couldn't stay here. Any choice she made was guaranteed to feed some kind of fear, and the fact was she refused to just curl up and die. Not yet. Not today. With one more deep, trembling breath to steal herself, she shifted onto her hands and knees and began crawling up the tube. At its mouth, she paused, angling her head. Her breath lapped in shallow waves up and down the larger tunnel, her palms, knees, and boots grinding against the granite providing ragged punctuation. It was all so terribly loud, but only by contrast to the deafening silence. Minnie didn't know how long she crouched there, listening with every fiber of her being for any hint of movement. Eventually, she pulled herself the rest of the way out of the tube and, leaning against one wall, felt her way up to standing. One step at a time, she inched back the way she came, stopping frequently to listen. Step, crunch, step, crunch, step, crunch. Had she gone the wrong way? That didn't seem likely, given that at the mouth of the tunnel there had been a solid wall blocking one side, but it would be so easy to get turned around down here. Too easy. It didn't bear to think about. She had to keep going. The strong scent of kerosene was her first clue that she was on the right track. Her relief that she wasn't entirely lost was dulled by both the knowledge that she was getting closer to where she had last seen the passer in Bisclavre and the growing nausea caused by inhaling the kerosene fumes. She paused for a bit longer when she thought she was reasonably close. Listening provided her with no more information than before. Hers was the only breath she could hear. Her stomach twisted. If Bisclavre was here, he was dead. She knelt and let her haversack slip from one shoulder. It was tidily organized, and she didn't need to see it to know where her tinderbox sat in her pack. Her head was aching from the stench by the time her fingertips touched the cool surface of a shard of glass, briefly creating a high, musical ringing as it moved across the granite. Minnie slowed further, careful to feel for the glass and brush it out of her path without cutting herself. Finally, she found the lantern. Running her hands over it, she felt for any breaks or leaks in the kerosene reservoir. The screw-on cap was intact, and there were no major dents or cracks. The glass was broken, some of the kerosene had leaked out around the wick, but it was functional. With a handkerchief fished from her pocket, Minnie wiped the excess kerosene away. Now that she had the lantern in hand, her fingers shook with nerves. It took her a minute to open the tinderbox, and her first few attempts to strike the flint against the steel fire striker were clumsy and uncoordinated, especially since she couldn't see her hands in front of her face. The first sparks burst like stars in a velvet night, beautiful with their promise of guidance. On the second strike, Minnie could see the brief, vivid outline of her own hands and the lantern in front of her. 
The third strike saw a spark touch the wick and ignite it, kindling into a low, blue flame, pulling the tunnel out from nothing and making it real around her. Instantly, Minnie raised it and twisted, her eyes hungry to see everything, to drink in her surroundings. At every turn, she expected to see the passer's pitted black eyes or Bisclavray's prone form. She saw neither. Bisclavray's pack laid where he'd abandoned it. His clothes were in tatters around the tunnel, tufts of his gray fur scattered between them. A few drops of bright red blood glistened on the granite. But there was no body. With trembling hands, Minnie tucked the tinderbox away in her pocket, too nervous to take her gaze off the tunnel ahead and behind her to return it to its place in her pack. Where had he gone? Had the passer dragged Bisclavray into the stone? Was that even possible? Or had it dragged him back to some lair, down in the depths of the earth? Well, well, you You came came back. back. You've You've more metal than I thought, girl. Minnie almost screamed, but clamped down on it at the last moment. There, sitting at the edge of the lantern light, was the Matigo considering her with its half-lidded, golden eyes. Where the hell were you? She thought as aggressively as she could. We needed you! I am a creature of shadow, Minerva. Where there is no light, there can be no shadow. It lashed its tail. Unlike the passer through stone, I cannot exist in total darkness. She took a shuddering breath her head still hurt from the kerosene, and probably from the blood loss earlier, and the exhaustion that she was sure was soon to catch up with her. Do you know know what what happened happened to Bisclavray? The Matigo blinked. No. Wherever he is, it is dark. Everywhere down here is dark, she wanted to say. Though she supposed she didn't have to, the Matigo didn't respond either way. Knowing the Matigo, its answer could just as likely be metaphorical. That Bisclavray was dead and buried in stone. She couldn't let that stop her now. How far are we from the other end of this cave? We are nearly there. Perhaps another two miles to go, and then we will see sunlight again. Two miles. She couldn't decide if that felt too long or blissfully short. Would it be foolish of her to take Bisclavry's pack? It felt wrong to leave it down here, but there had already been some tight spaces barely big enough for her to squeeze through with her pack, let alone with his as well. Perhaps she should go through it and see if he had any tokens, any letters she could bring to his family. In the end, though, she couldn't bring herself to do it. Every second she tarried was an invitation for disaster to strike. Show me the way, Matigo. Obligingly, the Matigo turned around and began guiding her out of the darkness. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The harrowing of Minerva Damson and its related stories are written, narrated, and produced by Jessica Linkhart and features additional voice work by Miranda Lewis, Claire Miller, and Jamie Sykes. Art assets done in collaboration with Mitch Lewis. Thank you for listening. Our tale will continue next week. <laughs> <laughs>